0: Hey y'all, this is Unbound Love, the meandering conversation of two pastors. I am Gail. And I am Kelly. And today we are going to talk about, since, since we're in the midst of this, it started on Wednesday, and maybe some of you went and got ashes on your forehead, um, but we are in the season of Lent. And uh, it's not that belly button stuff that we, you know, like to think about, or maybe don't like to think about. <laughs> um, but so, it, Lent. Um, I did not grow up in a tradition that celebrated Lent. Um, So there was no giving up something for Lent, there was no um, 40 days before Easter, Uh, so none of that was a part of the tradition I grew up in. And so when I come to a tradition where Lent is something that is talked about and prominent um, in this, and I think of it as being a little bit more high church uh, than, um, than I was accustomed to. It sometimes still even feels weird to me, like after 10, 15 years of it, still I'm just like, really, Lent? So what about you? <laughs> um, I have known about Lent my
1: whole life, I guess. I practice it more now as a Methodist than, of course, we did as Baptists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love, I don't love the season of Lent. I respect the idea of Lent, mm-hmm. and I find that I need it in my life Hmm. so let's go back let's explain a little bit so um early on
0: that's the backup (laughs) i love our sound effects now
1: (laughs) Um, lint comes from linton comes from long days so the linton period pre-christians taking it over was the time when days were getting longer and it was the preparation of the soil and the people to do everything they needed through the summer to have a good harvest so Lenten time means a time of preparation. And then because Christians are good at taking over stuff, we took over. The, we take over everything. I know. <laughs> we took over the idea of Lent and, um, and adapted it to this 40 days um, before Easter where we look at Jesus's time spending, um, time in the Judean desert, the wilderness, where he Faced temptation and kind of wrestled with himself and the devil, um, and prepared himself for the journey he was about to do. So we spend Lent, kind of wrestling with our spiritual nature and our human nature, and trying to prepare ourselves for the wonderful miracle of, Christ- of Christmas. Nope, of Easter, <laughs> and that other holiday. Yeah, that other holiday that's important to us, <laughs> <laughs> and for what we're supposed to do, and we when we go forward after Easter. And so one of the biggest things we do is fasting. Are you fasting, Gail? I am not. You are not. I'm not either this Lenten season. I'm doing something different. Mm-hmm. Although I believe in fasting.
0: I do believe in fasting. And, and so uh, let's talk about fasting a little bit because I think this is important. Um, I, uh, you know, when we think of fasting, we think of fasting in, in relation to food. And, um, so when we think about giving something up frequently in this Lenten practice, it is giving up some sort of food. A lot of people do chocolate or alcohol or a particular type of alcohol. You know, people, I know people who are giving up wine or giving up beer or, you know, oh, that's an easy way around. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I mean, but they're being mm-hmm. very specific. Um, and, and I don't, I have no issue with that. Um, Aside from, I think that in some ways it is just I'm going to give it up uh, so that I can complain about it. (laughs) And so that I can talk about it for 40 days about how I'm giving up Mm -hmm. this thing. And I think that it's important if we decide to give something up, if we decide that is our Lenten practice, how is that practice bringing you closer to God? So fasting, uh, in a biblical sense, in a spiritual practice sense, is about drawing closer to god and so you give up food or you give up whatever as a practice of drawing closer to god and how you do that is that you give up this thing and you spend the time that you would spend eating or one year one of my favorite Lenten practices that that i've done or that we did was we gave up eating out but every time we wanted to eat out And every time we would have eaten out and we made other alternatives, we took the money that we would have spent and donated it to a cause that furthered God's kingdom. Um, And so we took that that we would have and did something with it that indeed drew us closer to God. And so I think that's an important distinction to make when we think about fasting we're not fasting just to deny ourselves something. We're not fasting just so that we can say, oh, I'm giving up something for light. But we do it so that our practice in that, and it is a practice, brings us closer to God. Very true. Very true. We, we fast
1: from basic privileges is what mm. we're supposed to do. Early on, privilege meant food. But we fast from privileges because what Jesus did when he stepped away from society into that rugged wilderness was separate himself from the earthly pleasures of life so that he could focus on himself and his relationship with God, which is kind of strange being that he was God, but that's mm-hmm. a whole other story. <laughs> but what we're supposed to be doing is stepping out of privileges that we expect on a daily basis so that we can reflect on what's more important. And you're right. A lot of times we lose that. We end up just complaining about the year I did coffee. I will say I complained so <laughs> much. That was the stupidest idea in the world. And I stuck what myself with thinking? it. I do not know. But I found that as I've grown in my spiritual walk, that the days of giving up coffee or chocolate, which were important when I was little. I mean, I have one of, um, our, one of my younger friends who's in first grade is giving up sprinkles. Mm. And that's very important because they have sprinkles at home. That's Mm -hmm. a treat for her. Mm -hmm. And it is something that she really is giving up and thinking about what's more important. As a kid, that's a practice that you need to probably start and think about. Mm -hmm. But as you grow in your spiritual walk, it's more about focusing on how you can move forward in this world in a better way. Mm-hmm. So for me this year, I am not fasting from anything. I have fasted from almost everything I can think of at this point, but instead I am giving up a few minutes each day, along with some people in our community to do small things that change the world, mm-hmm. whether that's writing a petition, whether that's signing something, whether that's checking voter registration, helping people register to vote. I am spending each time each day A multitude of different things, not a collective focus thing, of just practicing every day, every morning, I wake up and I do something that activates a little change in hopes that not I'm going to change the world, but I'll get my mind used to and my spirit used to spending time each day making the world better for God. Mm. That's where I'm going with it. It's worth three or four days in, so I don't know what it's going to look like at the end, but Part of it is habit setting. And I believe if you do something for 40 days, it becomes a habit. And I'm hoping that me waking up in the morning, not just complaining, but actively changing something will become a habit, I hope.
0: So, so, I mean, just to speak to that, I think that, that there's the giving up of things. And then I think that there's the picking up of things. Yes. And so I think that those are two very different practices, but I think that they are both good Lenten practices to think about what am I going to give up or versus what am I going to pick up? Mm -hmm. And, um, so for my Lenten practice this year, I am doing a fitness challenge. So 40 days of eating clean, of, of doing some sort of physical activity, um, whether that's going for a bike ride or, or, you know, pushing my body in some way to do something. um, And it's a habit-forming thing. So, you know, you're going to do this for 40 days. And at the end, it isn't just the celebration of, oh, I can have chocolate again. Or, oh, I can do whatever it is again. um, Which is something that I think that often happens. Oh, I'm going to give up this thing that I love. And I'm going to give it up just so that I can give it up and say that I did it. But then at the end, there's this great like joy of, oh, I get to have it again. Well, you, you didn't get anything from that. All you got from that was giving up something. Um, if you pick up a practice that is something that is you want to be ongoing and you're creating a habit to do, you're creating a space that is a part of your spiritual practice. And for me, um, having a body that is more uh, in shape, that isn't as exhausted, that isn't... Um, uh, you know, whatever, um, unhealthy is an important practice, um, to move me forward on my spiritual journey. And I think I've said before, I mean, I'm diabetic. And so a part of that is being healthy, um, keeps me, keeps me better focused, keeps me better alive, and it sets a better habit for me. So instead of every night, you know, oh, I need chocolate cake. Um, So in some ways I am giving up something for Lent, but what I'm really doing is picking up a healthier practice, picking up a better practice that moves me and propels me forward for hopefully years to come and not just for the 40 days of Lent. So in these 40 days, which stretch longer
1: than that, we have Sundays where we break fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we are given those Sundays because that is the time that we are to spend with God. We are to focus solely on our worship, our learning, our relationship with God and to rest, whether it's Sunday or the Sabbath, your Sabbath, kind of, you can figure that out. Um, we, we stop whatever we're doing for Lent a lot of times. What I'm working with this time since I'm picking up something instead of giving up something is do I not do it on those days Mm. and or do I find a way to do it on those days is that a steadfast rule that I have to align with because if we are trying to add something into our spiritual life that changes us it's not like not eating chocolate and then I eat a bunch of chocolate on Sunday or I eat a bunch of chocolate when I'm done at Easter. Mm-hmm. It is actually changing me. So I'm, I'm wrestling right now. This past Sunday, I actually did some work. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wrestling each time Sunday comes around with, I am enjoying so much what I'm doing for Lent this time. I, I don't want to not do it on Sundays. And that might not be liturgical. I don't know. I don't know if it lines up theologically. But I know one of the funnest parts when you do Lent with children is when they pick something and then they have those moments where they get to splurge. Mm. And that is part of life. Like part of life is allowing yourself to make mistakes, to make errors. And even in the Lenten practice, if you decide you're giving up chocolate and you accidentally eat a piece of chocolate or you give in part of Lent is okay with that being okay and saying, okay, this means that I am not a perfect person. And it's okay for me to fail during Lent. That's kind of part of what Lent is about, is finding where you fail and where those cracks are. So what are you doing on Sundays
0: during Lent? So so, in in keeping with a, a, a workout, 40 days of, of getting in shape, 40 days of whatever, any workout plan that you pick up, generally there's a rest day. So there is a day when you don't work out when you don't um when you you don't worry about eating clean, you worry you know, so you are free to um have these things or not do these things. I mean if you want to just lay on the couch all day on that day, that's fine because this is your free day. This is your day that you get a break, your rest day. And so it really lines up um in that same pattern. And I've always found that interesting that if you look at workout plans They really do kind of follow that take a Sabbath um, rule that comes along with it. And so I'm I'm holding to that. I'm giving myself and it's not necessarily my Sabbath that I'm doing it on. I'm doing it on Sundays. Um, So on Sundays I can eat bad and I don't have to, you know, pull my bike out or find some weights or whatever. I get to um, not have to do my Lenten practice on this day, Um, which I think is healthy. I think it's healthy to give your brain a break. I think it's healthy to um, to give yourself that opportunity to to do different. I want to take us back to the beginning discussion of where Lent comes from, um, which is something that I knew, but I don't know that I'd ever put together. But as you were talking about it, I was thinking about this book that I read recently, um, and it's called Dirt Matters. And um, it's a really pretty powerful book for me um, that talks about and it's specifically talking about churches and how the dirt that you plant your seeds in is important. And um, and I think that that's true in our spiritual lives just as individuals. So how are we cultivating the soil that is us uh, for the seeds that plant in us and what grows from that? And I think that this Lenten practice is something that for us, which fits with the Um, where this comes from. So it was a time when the days were getting longer, when people were preparing the soil to plant their seeds and to grow their crops for the year. And so when you think of this Lenten practice as these 40 days of preparing our souls, of preparing our dirt, that is us, for how we are going to plant God in ourselves, how we are going to draw closer to God, but to make us a more perfect place for the seeds that God plants to grow in us and to bloom in us. um, I think that it changes the way that you think of this Lenten practice, the way that you think of um, Lent, that I am preparing myself as the soil that God is planting in. And when you think about how am I preparing myself as to be the soil that God is planting in, then what is the practice that you're doing in that? And how is that practice making you ready for what God is planting? For what God is working in you? Wow, that
1: now that all kind of came together in whatever random way I chose what I'm doing because I think mm. I think coming into Lent and trying to figure out what I was gonna do, I'm gonna tell you I am exhausted. I am done. Pandemic, social justice, our church war. It seems like everything's hitting me from everywhere and I'm done. I don't, I, I don't want to do this fight anymore. I don't want to do the work for the kingdom. I'm I'm exhausted. I have no energy. And I think, um, part of the reason that I chose to spend two to five minutes on some social justice issue every single day was because I didn't want to. I didn't, I wasn't feeling the joy. I was feeling just the pain. And I think I needed to re re prepare my so my spirit for what I'm doing. I mean, I'm getting ready to, you know, like all of us move into another year of having to Mm -hmm. do God's work in a world that seems so chaotic. Mm -hmm. And Lent is such a wonderful time because it allows us to step outside of the world, Mm. to focus on ourselves on internal struggles so that we can prepare ourselves to go back into the world after Easter. Mm. And as you were talking about, preparing the soil that we're planting seeds in I I'm having to prepare myself Mm -hmm. I mean I am having to I am I'm doing little small things too because I feel like I've tried to tackle so many big things in the world Mm -hmm. and I've been hurt Mm -hmm. by it that there's something empowering about being able just to send an email to some representatives or just to join a cause and do a small two to five minute thing. I feel like I've checked that box. I've done something. And maybe for me, this Lent is about finding the joy in the small ways I can change the world so that my soil isn't depleted Mm. because it feels depleted and worn out. And I just, kind of hit me when you were talking about the dirt that we plant in my dirt is not good right now. So I'm hoping by the end of Lent, it'll be refreshed and yeah, I really hope because I have to tell you, I couldn't think about giving anything up. I feel like after years of pandemic and all of this, I've given so much up in this world Mm -hmm. that I have nothing left to give up. Mm -hmm. So I did need to pick up something. I did need to add something.
0: So, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on, um sharing my life on Facebook. Um, so I mean, that's just kind of one of my things. Like I like to take pictures and I like to, you know, like here's whatever's going on with me kind of thing. And, uh, some people might think I overshare and that's okay. Um, some people might not and that's okay too. Like whatever, think whatever you want to, that's your business. Um, but, um, one of the things that I absolutely love about Facebook and I love about the fact that I share so much is that Facebook memories come up. And one of the things that has been for the last week or so um, really resonating with me is how much my life is cyclical and how it seems to always follow the same pattern um, almost to the day. And it really hit me on, on Ash Wednesday was the day that this really hit home with me because for about three days before that, maybe more, um, maybe the week before that or whatever. So Ash Wednesday had been hitting in my Facebook memories. And of course there's always this picture of me after the Ash Wednesday service, going to the beach and I'm standing on the beach and I take a selfie with the ocean in the background and the cross on my forehead and it's just like, here's this picture over and this is the same freaking picture year after year after year after year where this is what I do. And it really got me thinking about how much of my life, like it comes up and it'll, like I'll get not be feeling well. And I swear I'll look back at my Facebook memories and there'll be like three days in three different years, they'll be like, I'm not feeling good. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? Well, how am I not feeling good on the same freaking day every year? But because those memories come up, um and i see this pattern that is my life that just like they seem like they don't happen at the same time but because i document them i realize that they are happening in a very regular pattern and you think about life in general and how it happens in this pattern and you may not recognize that it's happening in this pattern but we come into this season where spring starts happening Things start blooming. All of us get little snotty noses because, you know, whatever's blooming at this moment isn't working for us. And, but I mean, it's just kind of this pattern that we follow um, that we so often are not aware of. And I think that, that we do that in God's pattern too. That in our spiritual walk, we also follow this very regular pattern. And even if we're not aware of it, It's happening. That's true. We have anticipation of Advent Mm -hmm. and
1: Christmas. Then you have the soul reckoning of Lent Mm. and Easter, which may not be soul reckoning sometimes, but Mm. is kind of like an adjustment. And it falls, it lays right on top of our natural patterns in nature. And I think that was great foresight or maybe just stealing of some of our early (laughs) Christian family. But also it's true and we and we find ourselves once we have started a pattern that yeah, here I buzz it. Once I hear we, something. Yeah. Once we start a pattern we find ourselves it's hard to break that pattern. Yeah. This year was the first year in a long time. I've not been in a church. I I left my other church and I'm planting a new church. I'm in the middle of not having a church. Mm -hmm. So I walked into Ash Wednesday, not having to worry about burning palm leaves or when Mm -hmm. our services are going to be. And I had to find a place to go get ashes for the first time in a long time Mm -hmm. in my life. And Mm -hmm. it was strange. So I woke up, I I started at the beginning of the week going, how am I going to spend Ash Wednesday and have the whole social justice thing. So I spent Ash Wednesday, I was invited to go walk with one of our um, elder groups to see the AIDS quilt Um, and um, walk through and see some of the AIDS quilt patterns at UNCW. So I started my Ash Wednesday morning where we're talking about dust and death, thinking about all of the people who have passed from AIDS, and then went straight from that to get my ashes from a friend at um, a local Presbyterian church. And as we were reading the liturgy, because it wasn't my normal liturgy, it was the Presbyterian liturgy. My mind just, it kind of shocked my mind thinking about how different today was than my, than my past Ash Wednesdays when I've been focused more outwardly on how I get people into Ash Wednesday Mm. instead of how I get myself into Ash Wednesday. Mm. And between the AIDS quilt and thinking about mortality and getting my ashes in a very strange but beautiful situation. My Lent season threw me this year. Mm-hmm. And I think I need to be thrown maybe a little bit, but it it kind of kickstarted me into thinking about what's important. And so a lot of what I've been doing for the past four days is thinking about Where I fall into the patterns, like you said, and where sometimes I just let the patterns happen instead of experiencing them. I think it's important that we remember to experience, especially as pastors, remember to experience it more than just
0: do it. Well, I think Lent also is a chance to disrupt the pattern. Mm -hmm. And so we fall into patterns where we let life happen to us, where we are just always running to catch up. We're always um just reacting instead of being proactive where we are um just life is happening to us and we follow those patterns where life happens to us. It you know, the fact that I get sick the same day every year is, is probably one of those like patterns that you know but the chance to disrupt that and if you see it coming, there's sometimes things that you can do that can disrupt that pattern especially if they're unhealthy, unhealthy patterns. Um, I, I, for years, um, my, my parents, my father died on a, you know, whatever on a day, obviously. And, um, for years in the week leading up to that day, I was just like in, like, I was angry at the world. I was, you know, whatever. And it took me years to recognize that there was this pattern. And if, and that week was coming and there's nothing I could do about that week coming. It was gonna come every year. This day is gonna come every year, and this week leading up to it is gonna be a bitch to my life. But then I started to prepare for it. I recognize that this week is going to be this week, and so I don't plan anything major during that week. I give myself the grace to um, do really a lot of nothing or a whole lot of just fun things, and I just plan. For this disruption to happen in my life every year, and it's happened for 25 years now. It happens every year in the same pattern, but I can disrupt it, and I don't have to let that pattern ruin my whole week. I don't have to let that pattern um, just manifest on its own. I can do things to change that. And I think that that's true for so much of our lives that we can, if we recognize the pattern, we can do things to disrupt it. And Lent is an opportunity for us to do that, to disrupt unhealthy patterns in our lives, to disrupt things that um, don't really work for us, but we sometimes feel powerless to do, to speak into. And this is a chance for us to um, create different for ourselves. It's very true. It's a chance for us to shake things up, and
1: I think we have to do that with wisdom. Mm-hmm. I think going into Lent, you—I mean, if you're if you're not used to practicing Lent, then it it's not like this. But if you've been doing it for a long time, or if you're preparing to do it, um, you have to think wisely mm-hmm. about what you're going to choose and what it actually means. And I will tell you um, one of the jokes that God played on me is my birthday always falls in Lent. Mm. So when I'm thinking about what I'm giving up, my birthday's (laughs) coming where everyone cooks everything I want and does everything I want. So I am, I am very, I have learned to be very careful about what I choose to give up Mm -hmm. with that in mind, which is horrible. It's not like very Christlike, but birthday is a little Easter. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) But also, um, and I, I've seen more and more in the recent years talk about, fasting and about how to do that in healthy ways Mm -hmm. and how it doesn't need to be centered around food Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of people who food is a big issue whether it's you're addicted to food or whether you're you have problems with body dysmorphia that Lent isn't a time where there's a mandatory fast I mean, for us, especially in the Methodist church, it is a time for you to find something to disrupt, like you were saying, to disrupt your normal, not a time for you to have to forego or starve yourself or hurt yourself. That is not what we are asked to do. We're asked to disrupt, like you were saying, not hurt or harm. And we need to make sure two things, one, that we definitely are not harming ourselves in the process. We're not pushing ourselves to a place where it's going to be difficult to continue the practice for 40 days or whether it might hurt us. And we're not supposed to harm others during Lent. I love the little thing that goes around that says, if you're giving up coffee, remember that you're supposed to do no harm. And maybe that's not the best choice Mm -hmm. because we're also not supposed to be crabby and cranky and angry and horrible people during Lent. We're supposed to be, finding ways to become better people. So, I think choosing a way to disrupt your life that's healthy for you and those around you is very important and it hasn't been the forefront of lenten practice in history until recently.
0: Yeah, it's um it's sometimes hard to um to think of denying self and not um have that be something that um I don't know how I even want to say that. So there's, there's this idea of denying self. And, and I think that denying self is an important part of the Lenten practice, um, that we are in some way um, in this disruption, we are denying ourselves, whatever it is that we're disrupting. um, And however, we're doing that. And so, I mean, I'll take my practice for this year. Like, I could be like, okay, so I'm denying myself all of these foods that I love. All the good fried foods and all the good, you know, um, sweet foods and all of the high-carby foods. And I'm denying myself all of these things. Um, so I could frame it in that way. Um, that it is some huge denial of all of these things that I might normally have. Instead, I'm choosing to frame that in a a framework of clean eating and healthy practices, as opposed to framing it in some denial of something. And I think that there's something to be said for um, how that gets framed. And because words matter, um, when I say them to myself, I'm not saying, oh, you can't eat that i'm saying maybe you need to make a better choice so the clean thing to do the healthy thing to do the better thing to do is this as opposed to oh my gosh you can't have that um and and words matter in that and how we think of it matters in that and so um it's easy to say in this denial of self in this denying something um that we could frame that in a negative way. You can't have this. But if you frame it in the, I'm not having this so that I can have that, Um, I think that's different. And so I'm going to not have this so that I can build a, a stronger relationship with God. Whoa, that changes how you think about that. As opposed to, I'm not going to have this just because I'm not going to have this. Um... How we think of that is important. And those words that we choose around it matter. I definitely think that we need to focus on the purpose or the
1: reason Mm -hmm. for the season. Which I don't like that term, but because it is about drawing us closer to God and to our purpose in this world and Mm -hmm. not taking us out of the world. Yeah. Um, And it's about. Like finding, I mean, I know everything you do, you're supposed to, whenever you want to do the thing, think about God or pray or read scripture. It doesn't always work that way. I remember a while back, the big Lent activity that everyone in the know was doing was not sleeping in the bed, sleeping on hard surfaces during Lent. That was like one of these. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I did it. Um, except Saturday nights before I had church on Sunday, I slept in my bed. That was my breaking of fast. And I will say that I did not gain a lot that Lent Mm -hmm. except for anger, uh, neck pains. Mm -hmm. And it didn't bring me closer to God. It, Mm -hmm. it just made me a frustrated, miserable person. Mm -hmm. And I think that and the year I gave up coffee, both taught me a very strong lesson that God doesn't ask me to torture myself and be a miserable person he asked me to give up space for God to work within me that's what I mean when God wants to have a relationship with us she she opens up a door in our lives where that relationship can happen and so we need to allow that space to be a connection and not just uh, suffering. And boy, we
0: like suffering. <laughs> well, and I think that there's a historical point to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, certainly um, church fathers throughout the history have have encouraged this suffering for Jesus kind of mentality. Um, that in some way, you know, I mean, it used to be popular what to wear a hair shirt uh, because mm-hmm. it was itchy and miserable. And mm-hmm. somehow that misery of of just walking through the world in this awful clothing, underneath your clothing, was somehow supposed to make you more closer to God, somehow supposed to draw you closer to God. And I am much more of a person who holds to the God wants us to be joyful. God wants to impart joy to us and for us to be happy and and joyful people. And so things that make me miserable... Don't make me think of God in a happier and and more loving uh, context. I'm much more to be like, why am I having to do this, God? Like, why am I suffering for this? And I get that there are things that we suffer through that we suffer through um, for God. Um, sometimes that is um, in uh, our relationship with other people that we have to suffer through relationships that maybe we're not all that thrilled about. But we have to love them anyway, and we have to be in relationship, you know, to a certain degree, but I think that goes back to our boundaries discussion, which is about there's still safe boundaries, and you have to keep yourself safe, and I think that in that, in in the things that we are doing for Lent, it's not about making us miserable, it's not about making us unhappy, because um, God still wants you to be joyful, um, but God wants you to also be in relationship with God, and um, and that's an important part of that. Is is how how is this drawing you closer? Very true. I think,
1: and this is going to be an interesting discussion. I think one of my favorite Lenten practices that I've done. I watched um, a documentary for one of my classes, and in the Judean Desert, where we believe Jesus wandered, there is a monastery now, mm. and the monks in that monastery go into the caves in this place and fast and spend time alone in these caves reflecting and and experiencing god and that is what they do and people come through this monastery other monks and people and they go out and do this practice to kind of connect with god and to wrestle internally with themselves and so i decided that i was going to for lent you know spend 20 minutes because i tried to meditate with buddhist once and realized i have a limit on what i can handle <laughs> so i said i'm going to spend 20 minutes alone by myself no distractions no anything now being a mom <laughs> this is crazy i the only place i could do that was my bathtub mm-hmm. so i would full clothes no water shut my bedroom door shut my bathroom door and go sit in my bathtub and hit a timer outside of my room so I would hear it ding when it went off and just sit there for 20 minutes every day. In the beginning, it was great. I got a lot of things accomplished, some sermons written, some other stuff happened. But as the time went on, I just began to fall into this blank space, like this mind wondering, thinking about all kinds of things. Space, not so much thinking about God, but just opening up some space in my mind and by the end I kind of it it got a little uncomfortable like by by about the third week it got uncomfortable sitting in that space with no distractions I had looked at the wallpaper enough I had examined my faucet (laughs) I knew what kind of soap I had like all of the stuff that it disappeared and I found myself just wondering what God wanted of me and I spent a lot of time wondering why I was doing it and what God wanted. And when I came out of that Lent, I, I've, I established a better Sabbath for myself. I found that I started learning to say no a little bit better. And oddly, the Lent that I spent in the bathtub, which sounds so weird, was probably my favorite i don't think i'd go back to it because i try not to repeat i try to just learn and move on but i think that was one of the times where i truly opened up space for whatever was going to happen because i didn't allow anything to happen in that moment and i also learned that 20 minutes is a very very long time a very long time when there is no distraction
0: interestingly enough so for a meditative practice like i I really enjoy meditation, um, a lot. Um, and what I find is, is I do it very poorly by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I can, I, and I do, I have like three or four different apps on my phone that are meditative apps and, and I will start them and, um, about 10 minutes in, five minutes in, I'm just like, mm, what's, what else is happening? You know? Um, because I, I struggle to do that by myself, but, uh, I have a group of friends that I do meditative practice with. And when we do it together, and you, know, you, you trade around, different people lead it. Um, but, you know, that practice, uh, you get into a comfortable place, you, you kind of have this, like, here's the practice of what we're doing to get to the place where you really are, to this meditative space. I find that that practice I fall very deeply into and an hour is not enough. So that hour of time spent in meditation with other people is not enough time. But five minutes by myself and it's really hard. And which is an interesting thing to me because it's such a personal thing that you're doing and you're not really doing it with other people. But doing it with other people makes it easier, which is a weird thing for me because my introvert brain has trouble Mm. making that right, but it's true. Well, I think also part of Lent is sharing what you're doing with other
1: people Mm -hmm. and, and not, not in a glorify me for doing this way, but in a, this is kind of interesting. How is this going to work? How is this going to play out? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? What is it giving you? What is hard? I think part of this is discussing that because that prepares us for discussing what we're actually doing in god's world world with mm-hmm. other people and and figuring out ways to do it i um i am very jealous of people I my girlfriend does meditates every day mm-hmm. and has an app and mm-hmm. we'll go out like she'll sit in the backyard and turn her app on and mm-hmm. just sit there in this perfect peace and I'm so jealous because I'm so busy I can't do it. And part of me wants to just go out and break it up because I want to do something. And I am so jealous of people who walk who are able to just disconnect that way. And so the time I spent in Lent disconnecting was hard. And it didn't turn me into someone who could easily disconnect. But it did help me realize my need for that and my need mm-hmm. to fight through what I don't want to do right to do what I need to do. And, um, and maybe I'm going to try meditating with other people more. I might try something like that because yeah. that sounds more of my, like I'm in my own space, but there's other people doing mm-hmm. it with me. That sounds more of my speed. Yeah.
0: It's and, a, it's a great practice. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, that. so we've come to the end of our, an uh, end of our, our time. So mm-hmm. it went by fast. Yes. And, um, um we would be happy to talk to you about uh, lenten practices about um, meditative practices to talk to you about how you can disrupt your own life uh to uh, to draw closer to God. And
1: I'm going to if you're already doing lent just do lent. Just just stick with your practice this week. But if not, think about one thing you can do that does kind of shake things up for you each day, whether it's for the next 30 seven days or whatever we have or whether it's just one or two days next week shake it up a little see y'all next week goodbye